What is going on, everybody? This is your host of The Colin Thompson Show. Hope you're doing well. I appreciate everybody tuning in. The second official episode of The Colin Thompson Show. We're really excited to have Adam Brenneman joining us here in a little bit. But before Adam gets on, I'm going to talk about a few things. And before that, I'm going to talk about our friends over at the Original Fudge Kitchen. There's going to be some people we're going to talk about today that are going to deserve that fudge from the Original Fudge Kitchen. Fudge Kitchen, excuse me, shipping sweet treats and just delicious items all across the country. When you're down the shore this summer, swing through, check them out all the way from Ocean City to locations through the entire Jersey Shore with another two locations all the way at the bottom of the Jersey Shore um, in Cape May, New Jersey, where we reside in the summer and the offseason, a great place. So check that out. The original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com. It's really simple. I'm on the website right now. Fudge, chocolates, candy, saltwater taffy, fresh saltwater taffy. Add it to your cart. Order on a toll-free number, fudgekitchens.com. You can hit up the, the items that are on sale. You can hit up all the different kinds, 20-plus flavors of fudge. Again, we're on vacation this summer. You're down the shore. Swing through and support our friends over at the original Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. So, Thank you last week to Teak, who joined our show, a friend of the show, a nutritionist, former nutritionist for the New York Giants, and really worked his way up through the rankings of college football as a nutritionist and really the professional environment, um, and then worked his way over to uh, uh, worked his way over to the New York Giants, where we ran into each other um, before I had emergency appendectomy and got cut my rookie year. It was fantastic working with Teak. Uh, tons of knowledge and he came on last week guys and really just talked about his journey his travel why he left professional sports why he loved professional sports his unbelievable twitter the following um his kind of barbaric and fun approach to nutrition which i really enjoyed something to really check out so check out our last week episode also matt lombardo joined us to talk all about the nfl a great nfl reporter insider college football talked nil we're going to talk a little bit about that with adam brenneman today had a stud college career at penn state and umass um, and then coaching and then off the field media and podcasting. He's got his hand in a little bit of everything. Another great social media follow. Again, I appreciate everybody joining us. Thanks to the official sponsor of Not For Long Media, uh, the original Fudge Kitchen. Before I talk about some things that are on my mind this week, and then we'll go to Adam. Guys, we have some new podcasts coming here that I'm really excited about in Not For Long Media. You guys already know about Breaking Bats. I'm wearing the hat right now. You can buy this hat on our website, notforlongmedia.com. You can buy our Not For Long Media apparel on there as well. Uh, so Breaking Bats with Brian O'Grady, just covering everything that you need to know about college, excuse me, about pro baseball. I'm sure they're going to talk a little college baseball as things go in the World Series, uh, College World Series, and the regionals just finished up this weekend, and I believe they're finishing up today on Monday. Uh, so Breaking Bats, ton of great stuff on there. Um, we're adding a few others, two major, major stars from the Philadelphia radio business will be joining us, which we're really excited about. We're going to get into them maybe next week and break that news. So that's exciting. Um, and then we have an episode called brought to light with Mario Abreu. It's going to be about military first responders, law enforcement, raising awareness, raising funds. And Mario's going to be bringing to light a few different things when it comes to the military world and that capacity. Uh, we did our episode zero the other day. I really think. Uh, it's going to be a podcast that you really enjoy. So our podcast family is expanding here. By the end of summer, we'll have four 
or five podcasts here not for long media including the Colin Thompson show so lots of fun stuff there so there's a few things that I saw this weekend and instead of the fudged up moment of the week brought to you by the original fudge kitchen I'm thinking about these are people we should be sending fudge to like these are people that are doing the right thing and we're going to send out some boxes of fudge not literally but figuratively because we care about these people and we like the decisions that they're making we'll send them a box so first off shout out to gator football uh this is from zach albalverde a friend of mine i've done radio uh, excuse me radio with down in gainesville when i was uh, visiting my wife now uh, girlfriend at the time in florida i would swing through while i was training there and and hanging out with her and watching her play the cross i'd swing through and get a 20 30 minute radio hit with the local radio down there and zach was always very kind and all of the gator radio people were kind and all the people in gainesville were always great to me and i'm very thankful for my time there it's been an all it's it was tough in the beginning leaving florida but i've worked through it um and we'll talk about adam we'll talk to adam about transferring too and the struggles with that but uh so go to zach's twitter and i'm scrolling through and i see what's up with gator football there's a bunch of nil talk there's a lot of things going on in the world right now about good bad and different well this is one thing that NAL is good for. This is what it was for. This was the original purpose of it. Obviously, it's outgrown itself. I think we knew it was going to outgrow itself, but we just want to be honest with ourselves about it. So Zach Albaverde tweets, Billy Napier has started a new Gator football tradition. Billy Napier, for those that don't know, was at ULL last year, Louisiana Lafayette. He was the head coach. He took the Gator job when Dan Mullen was relieved of his duties. Through Gator Made, Men's Warehouse measured the entire team for custom suits on Thursday. This wasn't a one-time thing either. There's a reason we're doing this. Uh, the Someone in the operations department for uh, the Gator football program brings up. So I'm going to read this. The Gator Man program launched by head coach Billy Napier in January is a holistic player-focused and purpose-driven initiative that develops the football players during their time at UF and beyond. Through the Gator Made program, Men's Warehouse visited the facility Thursday and measured all 121 players on the football team for two custom tailored suits. And this wasn't a one time thing either. There is a reason we're doing this, said Josh Thompson, director of football operations. If you're a student athlete here for four years, you're going to leave with eight suits. If you're a student athlete here for five years, you'll leave here with 10. So you're going to be getting two suits per year. And coach, really wants them to be able to show their own individual style, which is fantastic. It's 2022. Absolutely. Go ahead, boys, especially if you're a freshman. Go and get that, you know, simple all-black suit. But you're going to need to, you know, maybe mix it up with a little bit of swagger. He continues to say there, uh, there's over 20 options. You can get jazzy with it if you want to. Um, it is a custom as custom gets. There's lining, stitching, names inside everything. So, again, uh, this is on Gators Online. Zach Albavardi, awesome interview here about Gator Made provides entire UF team with custom suits from men's warehouse. So this was the purpose of NIL, right? Things like this, where you can come in, betterment of the players, betterment of the staff, help the players prepare, do the little things. Like Coach Rule made us, uh, when I was at Temple, we had to wear our suits. We decided as a team, too, as well, to wear our suits to games. If we lost, we had to wear our suits back. If we won, we didn't have to wear our suits back. And it made you think ahead a little bit that's just more than football so you're not the guy with the wrinkled jacket on the flight on uh you know on saturday getting ready to board the plane or friday getting ready to board the plane excuse me so it made you think ahead it made you dial in on okay i gotta get my stuff dry cleaning on tuesday um you got to do the process it takes to be a normal person in business for a big meeting you have coming up the weekend so i do think it teaches those things the problem was jeremy scott and our department believed in 
so much neck strengthening exercises that no one could button their butt, top button uh, by the end, beginning of the season and the end of the season. So that was a problem in itself. And that's an issue with Jeremy who we had on the podcast before. So we're sending a box of fudge to the Gator football program and Zach for an awesome article and really just a cool thing Florida football is doing. I love that. It's a fun way to say, hey, listen, guys, we're going to dress up and wear suits to games because most guys roll their eyes now and they're like, I don't want to wear a suit. It's not 1996. But it's a great way for the guys to invest in themselves, get a couple dress shirts, get a couple ties, mix things up. Um, so props to Gator football. Great article, Zach, and great job on Billy Napier and Men's Warehouse. I'm sure they worked out a little deal with that one. So I digress. Okay, someone that I'm – we, we are the fudged up moment of the week for me, and we really haven't talked about this on here lately. And, uh, you know, that's the Arizona Coyotes. And, again, we talked to Adam about this too. He played – he coached at Arizona State. He's lived in Arizona. And everyone knows I'm a huge hockey fan on here. And the Arizona, uh, Arizona Coyotes, you know, under a new deal – the Coyotes will play the next three seasons at Arizona State University's new multi-purpose arena, uh, and they'll have an option for the 25-26 campaign there as well. Long-term venue isn't ready. Uh, if, a, if a long-term venue, excuse me, isn't ready by then. So 5,000 seats pretty much, and this is off CBS Sports. This is not breaking news. This happened a month or two ago, two months ago, whatever it was. 5,000-seat stadium for an NHL franchise on a college campus. So the fudge up moment of the week, obviously, is on the Arizona Coyotes. But we're going to send them a box of fudge, too, because there's some awesome news out of that, you know, situation. So this is from Front Office Sports. You guys know I love them. Tempe City, Arizona, excuse me, excuse me, Tempe City Council has voted to open negotiations for the Arizona Coyotes $2 billion arena and entertainment district, uh, 3.4 million square feet, privately funded, 16,000-seat arena, retail, restaurant, sports book, hotels, apartment, offices. Uh, the city meeting lasted eight hours, again, from front office sports. So we'll send them a box of fudge. They've re rebounded for being the fudged up group of the week, and that's the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. There's a lot to digest here, right? Because the Coyotes have had some success. Um, they rebranded themselves from Phoenix to Arizona's team. They've had some high-end players. They've had some really good cup runs in the last – let's just say runs, but they've had some good moments in the last couple of decades of some good teams and some star players like a Kachuk and a Ronick and a Shane Doan, a Darcy Kemper. They've had some good players. They've had some good teams, not stud teams, but good teams and competitive in the NFL, NHL, excuse me. But the issue is you're in a warm market. Oh, that's not going to work. Well, it can work because it worked in Tampa. It's working in Florida. It's working in Nashville, right? It's working in the South. Hockey is working in the South. Those are Tampa and Nashville have great fan bases. You could say the safe to say the Florida fan base is hopefully getting a little bit better after a nice, you know, President's Trophy winning team this year. So, you know, I, again, fudge up moment of the week on the Arizona Coyotes for playing in a 5,000 seat stadium. And then also, we're going to send them a box of fudge from Fudge Kitchen, the original Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country because, hey, they're building a stadium, at least a conversation's being had. They were so far out near the football stadium, and I believe Glendale, but that's not near the exciting parts, the the the, the popping college scene that is such a thing in Arizona. Uh, they have a lot of great cities there, a lot of great college scenes. The one thing I'll say is this. As much as people say that's crazy, they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena, how cool is that going to be as a student on campus? You're going to have a professional hockey team. You're going to see these huge markets come in and play in a 5,000-seat arena. Yes, it's kind of a joke that you're playing in 5,000 seats and you play 
at the highest level of your sport and the money that's being lost off that and the money that's being gained by ASU and probably the NCAA somehow. So kudos to them. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty raucous in there. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a great environment. Maybe it reinvigorates the fan base down there, adds some youth into the fan base down there. By the time the stadium's built in two to three, four years, and it's in that great area, you may have a kind of a rebranding situation um, along with what's going on in school. So it's an interesting way to look at it. Again, sending them a box of fudge. They rebound them from the fudge up moment of the week. Good work by Gators football, what they're doing. But I can delay no more, folks. The great Adam Brenneman. He's been sitting backstage patiently, quietly. I brought up so many things that we're going to ask him. I probably forgot them all. NIL, Arizona Coyotes. First off, Adam, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you having me on. It's great to have you on, man. We've been, uh, you know, friends from afar, respected each other in the business for years, uh, on the field, off the field. Um, and here we are having on the pod now for the second time. It's good to have you back. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. It's been fun, uh, fun watching you build this, uh, this podcast and your media company while you're while you're still playing, man. I don't think there's many guys that can say they've uh, they've done that before. So it's been fun to watch, and congrats on all your success. Thank you, brother. It's um, it's been quite the journey, guys. Adam was a stud tight end, number one tight end in the country the year after me, before I became a mess and broke every bone in my foot at least for two, <laughs> two straight years, right? You were 2013 ESPN. Yeah. 13 out of high school. You were, you were 2012, right? Yeah, I was. And that was fun. That was just cool for me, a Pennsylvania guy. And you know, the one thing that drove me crazy in Pennsylvania was going through Penn state was going through all their stuff there. And Mike McQuarrie was recruiting me at the time. They offered like six tight ends outside the state before me. And that destroyed me. Yeah, was you that know, was that a Kent Taylor in your class? Was that yeah, so was? Kent, if I ended up recruited to come to Florida with me, and we were friends at our time in Gainesville. Oh, that's right. A, you went to Florida together. Okay. Yep, yeah. yep. And, man, that drove me nuts. And it doesn't do yeah. with those guys. But I just thought Penn State through that era was just losing in-state. And, uh, you know, obviously Coach O'Brien recruited you, I'm assuming. Yeah, he did, yep. Yeah, so it's a little different face than I was receiving when the face of the program was coming in, and he's coming mm -hmm. from the NFL, and it's a tight end's dream, especially from New England and all those things. But, man, I struggled with that. My ego, it still hurts my ego at the time. <laughs> you know, I was just like, why not? We just played in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Urban Meyer was on the field, uh, you know, recruiting all of our guys after the game, and he was at Ohio yeah. State. And then – but Penn State was in a tough time too, so. They, they, they really did the same thing with me. Um, you know, I feel like Penn State just – with the old the old staff under under Joe Paterno, they were just kind of uh, hesitant to offer the in-state kids because they they thought we were going to commit right away. So they wanted to be really sure. So when when I was getting recruited, I had offers from everyone. Man, I was I, I had offers from Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Penn State had not yet offered me. And uh, they made me come up to camp, like you said. Mike McQuarrie was my recruiter. He he threw me a bunch of passes at camp and uh, and and had a had a fun time. They ended up offering me right after that camp, but yeah, they, they made me work for it. Where everyone else just called and offered right away without without ever uh, seeing me in person. So it was yeah. Penn State like like to like to play the waiting game. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And you had an excellent career there. Three time All American throughout your time. Uh, Penn State and UMass transferring to UMass. You know, this podcast, we can dive into a little bit of it, but there's so much to tackle about what you're doing now. But talk about the transition of the good days at Penn State to things are falling apart to, oh, I'm an All-American now again at UMass, another school, and then the NFL and the Senior Bowl and all the things in between. 
yeah, man, it was it was a whirlwind of a of a college football career for me. And you know, as you alluded to, I went to Penn State with some pretty high expectations, and and uh, you know was was uh, highly highly recruited and highly ranked coming out of high school for whatever that's worth. Um, and you know, went to Penn State and had some success early. You know, was a was a, had a freshman All American season. Um, and uh, it was actually going into my second year there. I fell on my left knee in, in a practice, in a spring practice, kind of a, a funny way. Swelled up, you know, but kept kept practicing on it uh, for the next couple of weeks and um, ended up getting an MRI on my knee. And they realized I had chipped a piece of cartilage off my left knee where I was bone on bone. Um, and it was a pretty, pretty small piece of cartilage. But, um, you know, it's funny, the doctors at Penn State were kind of like uh, saying it may not be a big deal. But I, I had sent the MRIs to a doctor at home who I knew to, to get his second opinion. And he was like, this could be an issue long term for your career. Like, th this isn't a good, uh, good issue in your knee. Long story short, ended up needing a surgery, uh, missed two seasons in a row at Penn State. And that's when I ended up kind of deciding if I was going to, you know, I kind of briefly retired from football. I stopped playing for a few months. I left Penn State, got my degree, and then um, and then transferred to UMass. Um, you know, left Penn State not really knowing what I was going to do, and then, then ended up ended up going to UMass as a uh, as a, as a grad transfer and had two really good years at UMass, um, was an All-American two years in a row, led the country in receiving two years in a row at tight end, you know, called a million passes. Um didn't win a lot of games, but caught a lot of <laughs> caught a lot of passes. Um, and, That's always uh, and fun. Of, I was the yeah, opposite. Right? My last two years at Temple, <laughs> you won, a, we lot won a lot of games, games, and I caught like uh, eight passes. Well, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, yeah. I think I would have would have rather had the winning, but um, but no, it was you know thought I was going to get drafted, and and um, you know, but my knee was my knee that originally I hurt at Penn State with the cartilage damage was slowly deteriorating. Um, by the you know by my final year at UMass, I was getting Toradol injections before every game, and and this is all um, just falling on the ground. Yeah, so I I I had a kind of a strange. Um, it wasn't even like an ligament. It was it was um, a piece of cartilage I damaged, and by the time you know that wears away, and by the time I got to my senior year at UMass, I had you know about a quarter size defect of cartilage in my knee where I was just bone on bone. Um, and it's again, it's a really complicated injury that like not a lot of people understand. The the closest thing I when I when I explain to people what happened to my knee, uh, same injury Greg Oden had when he got drafted to the NBA and never was able to play. Um, the same exact thing. He had a cartilage damage in his knee, and it's really like a pain thing. Like you can't run or function the right way because every time you land on your on your knee, it's like this like pain goes through your leg of of the bones hitting each other because that's what cartilage does. It keeps the bones from hitting each other. And if it's on a bone on bone weight bearing part of your knee, that's like you know it's really hard to overcome from. So, um, you know, similar. I know Jadavion Clowney had like a similar thing, but his was where he wasn't weight bearing on his knee. Um. You know, so uh, not to go down a whole medical uh, no, <laughs> medical medical lesson here, but interesting stuff for people that like you know don't understand a lot of the the complexities of injuries that go on in the NFL. I mean, you know, cartilage injuries in the NFL are kind of a uh, a sure way to end your career pretty fast. So that's what happened to me. I went to went to the Senior Bowl, um, you know, and just just wasn't able to perform anymore. Everyone in the NFL, you know, you, you try to keep secrets from the scouts, but as you know, man, uh, every, everyone knows what's really going on. So it, it became pretty clear that with my knee and I was, I wasn't even able to run without pain injections and that it just wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to play in the NFL with the, and no one was going to take me with, with knowing how bad my knee was. I mean, no matter how talented you are, you're only as good as the time you can be on the field. 
and um, and that, that was just the reality of it. So it was tough having such a good college football career and being so close to the NFL and not playing was uh what was tough, man. But it, you know, it's it's uh the transition was good and 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 uh, you know just kind of all part of the journey. Adam, they're still X-raying my foot that I broke in two thousand. I believe it. Eleven. <laughs> I, believe I haven't it. had an issue with it in forever. I believe it. I, I have a deck it. screw in there that you literally would build a deck with, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> and if I don't feel it rarely, and it's fantastic. So they're still, uh, you know, going into that. And it's funny you you compare it to an NBA guy, your injury. So I explain, you know, why I got medically, you know, uh, excuse me, relieved of my scholarship at Florida to people. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Oh, that's, you know, you broke your foot, you broke your other foot. Well, what was really it? Well, really the straw that broke the camel's back. And there's some politics in there, as you know. Mm-hmm. was I had a navicular stress fracture on the left foot, mm-hmm. and that's the Joel Embiid injury. So all the limiting time that Joel had over the last, you know, the first, let's say, four or five years of his career, now he's become MVP yeah. form and he's had strength, and I feel the same strength. Uh, I'm definitely not MVP of the NFL by any means <laughs> or the NBA, but I'm feeling the strength of my foot for the last couple of seasons, and I've been able to put together healthy off seasons and seasons, which has been fantastic. But it was funny that you draw all the two things together. I do the same thing all the time and kind of paint that picture for people because everyone kind of cringes. You're like, oh, man, he was a great player but couldn't perform when you're talking about Odom, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. He was a stud. He had the hand problem too, but, man, he was fun to watch. Let's yeah. go back to Penn State. You're talking about you finished school. When I was at Florida, they told me I was done there and I had a mm-hmm. transfer if I wanted to play football again. I let it rip, man. I let mm-hmm. it rip. I had a great time. I had a ball. I ended up just first meeting my wife in that stage. I wasn't the best student by any means. Notable <laughs> on here. I've talked about it on there before. Um, and then I went on the temple and graduating three and a half years and everything ended up being just, you know, okay. But there was bumps along the way there. Mm-hmm. You're done at Penn State as a football player. That transition into NARP life, non-athletic regular person life. Mm-hmm is a struggle for me, at least it was. What was it for you? And then what was the moment you were like, you know what, I'm still going to give this thing a run? Yeah, it was uh, – so when I left Penn State in 20 – geez, that would be 2016, I believe it was. uh, You know, I I had – I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. You know, I I thought I was done playing football. You know, it's funny, man. My – you know, I thought I was done playing and, um, you know – back then was still, you know, obviously the transfer stuff has changed a lot since, since, uh, you know, since the days of, you know, ba- back then I, 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 there wasn't even a transfer portal back then when I recruit, when I transferred. And so I remember when I left Penn state, my, my dad had said to me, like, you should get, um, you should get, what, what's the word? Like where, where they, where they clear you or allow you to like, you get released from your scholarship at Penn state. Like, so yeah. you can transfer if you want to, you I know, that, it's not even, not even a thing anymore, but that used to, used to have to ask to get relieved from your scholarship. Um, if you wanted to transfer. So when I left Penn state thinking I was done playing football, my dad kept saying to me, you should, you need to get, you need to get your weight or waiver. You need to get your waiver from Penn state so you can transfer. And teams will not talk to you until you get that waiver. Cause I, exactly. I was like literally calling all the guys that recruited me when Florida's like, you're done playing. And I came up and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and play football again. I'm not, I want to play in the NFL. I'm going to continue. I was calling coaches like, we cannot talk to you until you clear that waiver. Yeah. I'm like, I'm transferring. It's over. Here's the paperwork. They're like, nope, you need the waiver. So that's, that paints a picture of what Adam's talking about. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I, I my, my dad was saying you should get your waiver from Penn State. And I was like, I'm not playing football anymore. Like, I don't need my waiver from Penn State. Like, I'm not going to transfer. And my dad kept saying, like, you, you, you may want to, like, give another shot in six months. Like, you, you're going to want to have that waiver. Um, ended up not getting the waiver or, or whatever and, and started working. I was working. I was actually working in politics for a little bit in 2016 uh, for a guy I knew who was running for the state Senate and uh, took my mind off football completely. And it wasn't until my high school quarterback um, is a guy named Andrew Ford, was a big-time recruit in the 2014 class, went to Virginia Tech, ended up transferring to UMass, University of Massachusetts. And uh, he, w- he was home for, uh, for a week in the summer after he transferred, and he was saying, man, you should really come to UMass. And I, and I knew the, uh, the head coach at UMass uh, is a, was a guy named Mark Whipple, who, uh, who I knew really well because his son was one of my good friends from Penn State. Um, his son went to Penn State with me. So – you know, just some some uh, some chips started to align where I knew the people at UMass a little bit. Um, I knew some of the coaching staff. The head coach I knew, Andrew Ford was there, and he was home one day in the summer. We were at my we were at my uh, my house. He was over my at my parents' house, and he, they started. My Andrew, my dad, and me started talking about you know maybe I should come out of retirement retirement at you know twenty years old or twenty one years old and That's go real though, to UMass. Man. That's no, real. So, so we, uh, we're sitting there and again, I'm in the middle of like, of working, I'm getting paid a salary. I, I think I'm like, I'm never playing football again. And, uh, that they bring it up to me, you know, th- saying, we think you should give it another shot. And I, I was like, well, my knee doesn't really hurt right now. We go to the, we go to the, uh, to a, a local field and go run routes <laughs> the same day. And, and I run around a little bit, catch some passes. And literally the next day I called Mark Whipple, the head coach at UMass. Um, and, um, you know, said, Hey, I'm, I think I want to come out of retirement and come to UMass. He didn't believe me. He was like, dude, are you sure you actually want to do this? And and in the meantime, as you know, I had to call James Franklin at Penn state and get my, although, although they thought I was done by football, I had to get my waiver. Coach Franklin was kind of like, you know, Hey, like, why don't you just come back to Penn state? Like, we'll have you back here. And I kind of wanted a fresh start. So I started that whole process. And a couple of days later, took an official visit or a, yeah, an official visit to UMass and, and, and was there within uh within about a month and I had to quit the job I was doing and and uh went back to college life so I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to uh, wear a suit every day yet at that point for the kids that will listen to this podcast there is a million ways to skin the cat to get to the same way and nobody unless you are a unicorn and Adam is, and I have played with unicorns before have a clean slate all the way to the top I had zero adversity in football until I broke my foot after winning a state title, after playing in the Under Armour American game. And I thought, yeah, it's a broken foot, no problem. I didn't realize what I was in for. But it has helped me, and I would not be going on my six-year professional football without it. You know, I've, the ball bounces a different way for everybody. But, you know, that's that's how it, it is. <laughs> he just said he worked in politics, <laughs> hung up, uh, put the pen down, put down the laptop and said, all right, I'm going to go strap it up and then become an all American. So that's credit to you. That shows the type of player you are, the type of person you are, but it, it is kind constantly. And I know you mentor some young kids too in the football game world too. I'm sure you have, obviously you were a coach at Arizona state coaching tight ends. there, doing a great job mm-hmm. last year. Um, we could transition to that because there's so much to tackle there. Mm-hmm. What was college coaching like? It was it was exciting, man. I mean, it's same thing, like same kind of um, scenario, story of how I got into that. You know, it was just people you know, connections you have, you know, relationships. I, I got a I got a call one day from our our uh, my strength coach from UMass, a guy named Joe Conley, was the uh, was and still is the head strength coach at Arizona State. 
and he calls me one day and again i'm working and you know my football career is over it's not it's now actually over at this point you know i'm, I'm literally i'm working in pennsylvania and and uh you know he calls me one day he's like hey uh um, our offensive coordinator and our and our head coach from Edwards are looking for a graduate assistant that could coach the tight ends because you know the the way they structured the staff they needed a GA to coach tight ends. He's like, we're, they've interviewed a couple of people, don't like anyone. Would you want to talk to our OC and and the head coach about it? And I had known Herm Edwards a little bit because he coached me in the Under Armour game, as you just mentioned. Um, he was the head coach in, in the Under Armour yep. game, so he was I my said, head coach too. Yeah, so I, I I said why not? You know, never really never really thought I was going to coach, but I said why not? Um, interviewed with the OC over the phone and offered me the the, the position the next day, and I was just said, you know, I'm 24 years old. Now's the time to uh, to do stuff like this. So I went out to ASU and ended up getting promoted to tight ends coach um, within like eight ten ten months of being there, which was super exciting. I was 25 and uh, and the tight ends coach at ASU and was the youngest power five position coach in the country it was it was it was sick i mean it was an awesome. awesome experience i mean to be around some legends you got marvin lewis was on staff um at asu herm edwards obviously just a, a really cool staff to be a part of um and it was it was cool it was it was a different experience you know it was just having to remember all the stuff that goes into being a college coach recruiting recruiting your own roster now with the transfer portal um coaching and like you know making sure that you're detailed in every part of of what you're doing as a coach just because you know especially being a young guy is you know like you gotta you gotta earn the players respect and if they don't think you know what you're talking about if they if you lose their confidence there's you got no chance um especially being a young guy who was 25 and you know we had our senior tight end was 23 years old 22 22 23 years old so it's like you know there's a different relationship there and it's a positive and a negative so it again just learned a lot and um I, I enjoyed it. I mean, Arizona is a great place, as you know. Arizona State's a, a great university and, and kind of in a hotbed of, like, if they can figure it out, has a chance to be, you know, really good. It's a place you should be able to recruit to. I mean, what young kid doesn't want to come to Tempe, Arizona, um, Scottsdale, Arizona for college? So uh, I had a great time, learned a lot, um, you know, and, and uh, it'll always be something I, I look back on and feel like I, I learned a lot and got a lot of, lot of good life lessons out of and, and grew a lot during that time. You were sitting in the background while I was rambling on about the NHL like I do every week as the viewership goes down, but I don't care. I love the NHL. I love talking about mm -hmm. it. Uh, can a hockey team make it in Tempe? Yeah, it's a, there's been a lot of talk about that around here. So my my uh, one of my good buddies out here um, is a big hockey guy. So I, I'm not really a big hockey fan, but I've now like started to hear about it a lot. And, um, and yeah, I, I think like you said, what a cool experience for like the college kids to have a – professional hockey team playing on campus uh, and as you mentioned Kyle, maybe a little bit embarrassing for the for the coyotes to be playing at the asu uh asu stadium but it's it's um i think it'll be i think it'll be a, a really cool experience for everyone in tempe and again as you mentioned with the with the location like it, no one no one's going out to wherever the heck the coyote stadium was um, or arena was um you know, so minutes from downtown. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not even not not even in the realm of like things that you want to do. And I, I think the new one's going to be that they're building is going to be in Scottsdale, which will be really cool. Um, you know, to have to have this one in Tempe. You know, where, where you want to be where the action is, obviously. And um, yeah. you know, like they like I've been to I've been to Suns games, Diamondbacks games, all in Phoenix and in the cool area. Those are you know big 
get big crowds and, and are really fun things to go to. So I think the Coyotes, you know, by making this move and then hopefully in the future, you know, when they finish the construction on their new stadium and being in Scottsdale, we'll, uh, we'll start to be more of like a center center point of town. Of You know, that'll start to be a staple going to Coyotes games. And I listen to Spit and Chicklets, and they always talk about it on there. And it's a hockey podcast with Barstool, and we'll, we'll digress and we'll move on to something else in a minute here. But <laughs> uh, there are Austin Matthews, top five, top three, top two NHL player, plays for the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs, huge brand. He's up for a contract. He was born and raised in Arizona. So it's going to be interesting timing. How yeah, I, uh, I, I, funny Austin Matthews story. I mean, not, not that funny, but for one of my first days out here in Arizona, I went out with a bunch of guys. We went, we go to walk into some bar, um, in old town Scottsdale and, and, uh, and, sitting there is is austin matthews and like they're all like everyone's like freaking out that all it's austin matthews and of course me like i had no idea who he was um started talking to him and throughout the whole conversation i had no idea who he was and after all the all the guys were like dude that's like the best hockey player in the nhl you're you're hanging out with i i, I had no clue that, that tells you how big of a hockey fan i am <laughs> and, but they're not that big of guys either right so you know exactly, tight, you yeah. can tell in football like okay that guy's a linebacker guys a safety that guy's definitely a tight end yeah right and we're going to get into the top tight ends at all time here as we as we move through. I transition. Love it. Brenneman shows up. Okay, so content, video, short form. You're doing killer stuff with social media. So interactive. Love it. Appreciate. I, it. I, don't, I don't. Yeah, you're killing it, man. I don't. I don't know where to start in this, but there's there's so much to unpack with this. I pull up your guest list early. You have an awesome guest list, and you're doing some unique stuff. Like you're really talking. You know, you're really talking the draft prep with Kenny Pickett. Excuse me here. I'm uh, ill-prepared, even though I thought I was. But you've had <laughs> Kenny Pickett on. Let's see. Who else you had on before as I'm prepping this here? Let's see this. Let yeah, see. we had Pickett. Uh, Chase Edmonds was on the new Dolphins running back. Uh, Mike Kosicki. Um, we had Trace McSorley. Um, yeah, Trace. You know, obviously, on. the Penn State guys. You know, the the um, Pat Fryermuth tight end for the, for the Steelers came on. Um, He's a stud. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I actually just filmed an episode with Jared Goff um, in, in Detroit, so that's going to come out in a few days here. So, so you're um, flying to these locations nine times out of ten. It it, looks it, like. it, it, it depends. Um, you know, so I normally try to if I'm going to be in a location, you know, prior, obviously from a call standpoint, try to like, you know, like Mike Kosicki, he was actually in Scottsdale. You know, a bunch of those guys came out here and we did a, a, a golf weekend. We went golfing uh, with some of the Penn State guys, so got the film that one in Scottsdale. I mean, I, you know, I got to do one with Amani Oriarie, the star DB for the lions. Um, you know, I was, I happened to be in Fort Lauderdale when he was there. So we got to film one, but for some of them, like with Kenny Pickett, I had to, you know, I, I, I made, made my, uh, planned a trip back East, uh, you know, around the, doing the Kenny Pickett interview. So, yeah. you know, for me, it was, it's, it's really, um, I viewed it kind of as, as an investment and, in, and, in, you know, growing kind of my personal brand and my following, you know, it's something that I wish I did more. It's sweet that you're doing it now when you're playing like i wish that i posted and built and, and produced content more when i was playing um because as you know man like after you get done playing it's harder to like gain followers and people care about you a little bit less when you stop playing football um so it's like so i, I kind of wish i did it before but now you know just from a uh, you know tiktok and instagram and just building that platform and, and just kind of seeing where it goes you know and and seeing 
is does it lead to broadcasting opportunities does it lead to more shows does it lead to you know brand deals you know i really view it as like everything i post is just an at bat to you know who's going to see it who's going to like it you know and and it's been pretty cool the opportunities that have come up and i've met some really awesome people and just you know hopefully just keep doing it and and kind of see where where it ends up but it's been fun i appreciate the the kind words about it it's it's a fantastic show and really you're just keeping the doors open right i think that's what i'm doing what if you're a young person in this profession it is doing to some extent, either putting money in your pocket and or all the above, mm-hmm. right? It's a business opportunity. It's an at bat. I've had a lot of at bats, but it's only been probably eight years of them, seven years of them, right? That's not mm-hmm. what, it, you know, in my opinion, it's taken me a long time um, from grinding and doing pregame Eagles shows and postgame Eagle shows. Yeah, you've, been, you've done it all, man. You really Dude, have. it's it's been a yeah. heck of a grind, man. Leaving uh, youth football practice early in Cape May, New Jersey, to drive up to uh, Philly to do a Thursday night football pregame show. It's been fun. Yeah. I, I just decided to keep busy while I was out of playing, and this is why you know NFL stands for not for long, and that's where yeah. I was born when I got cut from the Giants. And this is like the fifth version of it, but we're here, we're having fun with it. Now it's the Con Thompson Show under Not for Long Media, so it's been. It's been fun. It's been a grind, and we have a great team that's you know props me up, allows me to do it, and they do a great job. And it's you know win win for everybody. You know, like you're saying, you're like, hey man, I'm uh, in South Florida. You can plan your vacation now. You're going home to see mom and dad. Boom, right? Kenny, Kenny Pickett. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. always cool, man. So exactly, Bre- yeah. Brennan shows up. I love what you're doing, guys. Check it out. You talk about a lot of different things. So the one thing you're talking about on social media is like college football players you like you'll put some film up on your personal social media of different routes guys are running and here's a receiver to watch here's a tight end to watch here's an offensive lineman i like here's a guy that flashes here's a guy that plays tough here's the guy that's got great accuracy whatever it may be mm-hmm. i think you're doing a really cool that's such cool stuff i'm gonna start stealing some of your stuff because that's what we do in this business it's no really you cool. should you should well i mean yeah. and i think too the the stuff that that, that you're doing is has been cool to watch because I, I I feel like you know with just your brand as well like it, it's it's grown you know from the media stuff you do it's it's way bigger than what it would be if you were just a you know not the down player in it but just a you know mm-hmm. a, a guy that switched teams a bunch in your NFL career and 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 um you know a guy you know it, it's 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 much bigger than than um than it would be w- without it so I think it, it's really yeah. cool to see you 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 grow that thing as well and it's and, um you know like I said with the uh, bat thing like. I I just I, I just really believe and I think that we're seeing more and more athletes and professional college players like realize it. But, you know, it's it's all about where's the where's attention on social media, like who has the attention. Um, and, and that's where a lot of a lot of good things go to. You know, that, that's where opportunities go with who, who has attention on on social media. You know, the original that, that the guy that actually gave me the idea to get into to start doing this content type stuff was really Jordan Palmer. I don't know if you've seen Jordan Palmer stuff. Yeah, it does a nice job. Um, we try to get him yeah. on the show. So if you know him, tell him to open up his DMs and respond back to me. I will. I will do that. I'll do that. Yeah, I, I don't know him super well, but I know of him. Uh, or, you know, we, we've talked a little bit, but not not super close. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, just seeing his content, I was like, man, this guy's built his, his – and he's got a whole business around it now with quarterback training. Quarterbacks. You know, is he's not even really doing media stuff. He's just producing content. And, you know, now it's like 200,000 TikTok followers and, uh, you know, has really built a brand for himself through that. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff, man. I'm, it I'm is. It's, it's a really cool business. And athletes now are controlling their voice now than ever. Have you listened to the Bustin' with the Boys with J.J. Reddick yet? Uh, not with J.J. Reddick. I, I need to. I, I mean, I, I've, I've watched a bunch of their stuff. Is it a Dude, good one? It is fantastic. It's okay. going to be the number one listen episode. It has to be. I mean, yeah. 
it talks about all the things we're going to, you and I are kind of discussing a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, just for the sake of time and moving through things. We haven't dove into everything, but I mean, he talks about branding, controlling your voice, what media is going to look like in the future. It's all athletes running everything. You know, there's still going to yeah. be journalists. There's still going to be media people that have a purpose, but you can already see it. Players are mic'd up on the field doing games. Bryce Harper's in a Phillies game talking about 100%. in right field. Yeah. Like guys are controlling their narrative. You know, we'll, and I want to bring it back. We'll, we're talking about NIL narrative. So I'm going to stick with this and we'll bring it back to some of the players you're looking forward to seeing this year and maybe a team in college football you like this year. But NIL wise, this is a great way because honestly, off the field, I don't have enough juice to bring enough pot, you know, bring some pocket change in or pay for mm-hmm. pay people to run run a media company with me. Um, so doing this creates another, another form of income, another form of exposure, right? NIL. What are your thoughts on this NIL thing? I know that's such a broad topic, but it is taken off. I think a guy like you and me would have probably did pretty well in the NIL days, you know, maybe for different versions, you catching a hundred balls, you know, but it's a really interesting, it's a bear to tackle. We talk about it every week on the podcast because to me, it's one of the hottest topics in sports. Yeah, it's a topic that I've kind of uh, really started producing a lot of content around too, just because it's it's so interesting. And um, you know, it. I, I'll, I'll say this, and I always preface what I w- when I go down this path with I, I've been a big advocate for a long time. Um, even from dude, I remember being in high school and like writing papers on why college athletes should get paid. I've been a big advocate for a while, as as most of us most of us athletes have been, yeah. and a vocal one of like that NIL needs to happen. It needs you know players should be able to get paid, um, especially off their name, image, and likeness. I, I do think though that the combination of what we've seen now with NIL coming with no regulation due to due to the the ruling by by the courts and the NCA not really having anything to, to do with it. Um, by with that happening, with the transfer portal being at the state it is, where players you know can enter the portal and go play at other schools, also being able to play immediately at another school, um, and then combined with just where college football is as a business and as a as a culture right now of the high stakes the win at all costs the 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 10 year 100 million dollar contracts for coaches the combination of it all has turned NIL into something that is I do not think is what it was intended to be um and I don't think it's good for the sport uh, and and I think it's turned into inducements for, to get guys to go to different schools disguised as NIL and now that's a whole other conversation of should there just be paying players to come to your school? But that that's different. But when people say, "Are you, what do you think about NIL? I like NIL, but people are doing inducements and pay for play, disguising it as, as NIL and, uh, and, and trying to, you know, trying to run it through the, the legal or the, you know, the channels that are allowed in college football. So that's the difference. I, I, I think people get like people debate NIL. Like I, I and, and, and I'm always debating of like I'm always saying well, what was NIL intended to be like when it pat when it got passed by the courts or, the, or whatever the rule exact ruling was that it had to go into effect. The, the intention was that players was that the quarterback could go do a, a deal with the car dealership and get a free car. It was that, you know, as a tight end. I could go do. I could go to the, the steakhouse downtown State College and get ten grand to do a bunch of social media posts for them. Like real market value. What what value I'm bringing to the to the business? Not 
I enter the transfer portal because the school I'm at is only giving me a hundred grand. The collective raises a bunch of money through a nonprofit entity and tells me that I all get I'll get a million dollars for three social media posts and an autograph signing to go to their school. Like that's not real market value. That's not NIL. That's pay for play. And that that that's kind of where where the difference is. And again, I love NIL. I'm a big advocate of anything that could, that's like legit and not just inducing players to transfer schools because that's not sustainable. So articulately put two separate things i love that and we will reference you and use that on the pod because it's so true one's free agents frenzy one's a trade deadline frenzy right with cap instead of draft picks it's hey someone can offer you more money down the road Mm -hmm. i don't blame the kids for it don't hate the player hate the game either (laughs) i don't hate the kids for it because what would you do you know i think it'd be hard for me i think the one challenge i would like the kids to do is like okay what's the best for you so when I was at Temple, Coach Rules get, got interviewed at Missouri, mm-hmm. and he was gaining traction as a coach. Obviously, now he's head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. He's one of the most well-known and successful coaches in turning college football programs around. He turned around Temple, which was no bueno, and he turned around Baylor, which we all know was no bueno. So there are two places that are really hard to turn around, and he did that, and I think good things are to come. I said it before. I think Coach Rules is going to live out his whole five, six-year deal in Carolina, plus I, I – I, can't say enough good things about him. I've been with him, and I've been with other coaches too, and I can tell you he's the best out there. Um, so at least the guys that I've been around. But mm-hmm. there, there's so much to unpack with it because it's two separate beasts, and it's pay-for-play. It's free agency. There's so much to do. So I know I appreciate your thoughts on it, man. It was so articulately put. Um, and I appreciate it. We'll see what the future is of it because yeah. – I think it's great for a guy to help mom and dad out with bills. I think it's great for dinner. I think it's great for a guy to make a hundred grand over four years, 500 G's in college. Well, what if you get benched? What if you're not playing? What if you get beat out? I I think there's so many, there's so many different aspects to it. Like, and the, to prove that like, it's not the real market value that these guys are bringing, like what NIL was intended to be. I mean, how many guys in the NFL do you know, including probably yourself, that complain about how they don't make enough money off marketing deals? I mean, I know guys that are superstars in the NFL, maybe not super, but like guys that are starters in the NFL, all pro, like that complain, Nothing. like, dude, I can only make a hundred grand. I made a hundred grand last year off marketing deals. Like, no one wants to give me like, and 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 every NFL player thinks they're going to make millions off off brand deals. Because 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 they're not really that valuable to these businesses. Like Jordan Addison, when he transferred from Pitt to USC, that was like the big one that everyone was. That that's kind of what blew the whole thing open, right? When Jordan Addison and the transfer portal, blicking off winner wide receiver from Pitt, um, best one of the best players in America, transfers to USC, as, as, as I'm sure you've seen. Yep. Um, and every everyone reported that he had like a three and a half million dollar NIL deal on the table from USC. And, and again, like that, that's what kind of blew the whole thing up in my opinion. But I said too, if I was Jordan Addison, I'd probably, I'd probably be doing the same thing, How but, it, but, it, but it, again, money it's, than they're making in the NFL. Exactly. But it, it's the, it's the environment that, that we've had. So I think at the end of the, end of the day, we're, we're going to see something I think pretty soon from a, I know, I know a lot of the coaches are calling on, you know, federal legislators, you know, us senators to get involved with antitrust law. And, and, and then too, you think about this and I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you got me on my NIL rant. No, so no. I, I just go, keep going, go, but, go. Uh, but 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 anywhere you know, I, I I explained the difference between the two nil and and uh, you know just pay for play or inducements or paying players to go to your school, which is you know it's a whole separate thing. But any anywhere any sport or or that that has that part to it. There, there's regulation in, to 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 have an equal playing field. Like the NFL, 
like they have the salary cap, they have, they have, you know, the, the trade deadlines and they have all this, these rules by the, by the NFL to keep everything in line right now, the NCAA is going that direction with no rules and regulations. So it's just, there's no salary cap. There's no, there's no parody as, as Nick Saban always said, we need parody in college football, which that, that whole thing was hilarious too. With and the, then he wins the, every game. Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, uh, but, but uh, yeah, the irony is, is, is great, yeah. but, there's but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, Exactly, but any 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 time you get down that world, it, there's there's a uh, you know there, there there's there's a uh, you know like the NFL is a salary cap. There's things like that that come in that that keep it from just being a a pay for play. You know, bribing people to to transfer or uh, attend a school. It's guaranteed cash too. Mm-hmm. Whether you play a snap or not. What if yeah. that booster's like? Hey, that, that's the wild part. Yeah. Think about this. The NFL. I always tell this story. People ask you, what's the NFL like? I said, okay, here's my first story about the NFL. I signed with the Giants, rookie deal, three-year, fourth-year option, undrafted tight end, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it was, $1.5 million, right? A lot of money. Mm-hmm. Baseball mm-hmm. players get every dime. Basketball players every dime. Mm-hmm. I made $4,500 out of that, which mm-hmm. I probably paid for in gas bills between from New York, <laughs> Doylestown, between the Giants and Cape May. Yep. And then I paid for a little bit of a stipend that we had to pay because it was so expensive to blow up there. The Giants couldn't afford to put all the rookies up and pay for all of it. Mm-hmm. So I made $0 off of $1.5 million deal. These guys are getting straight cash, homie. This year, Adam, as you know, one eighteen. I get a check for my, my salary. It's broken up into 18 pieces. I mm-hmm. play every week on that active roster. I get that money. The minute I stop playing on that active roster, the money stops. If I play week mm-hmm. one, I make one eighteenth, and that's it mm-hmm. of whatever the deal is. It's public, right? It's just rep- yep. that's your minimum. It's nothing, anything. Yeah. Right? It's beautiful. I have the best job in the world. I'm not complaining, but I'm saying that's the that's the world. That is the difference yeah. we're in now. That these guys can make this money. Is everybody making that money? No, but the percentage is going up. The opportunity is going up. I think there's a hot mm-hmm. flash situation where the businesses are like splashing the pan. I got to get involved in this. I got to get involved yeah. in this. I mean, we worked out and we're close to some deals with college athletes ourselves to try to make things work mm-hmm. right? because why not? We're going to die. We're going to transfer, uh, excuse me. We're going to roll over to another subject about athletes here in a second. I appreciate Adam Brennan join us. This whole spot, this whole broadcast is brought to you by our friends over the original fudge kitchen. You can get anywhere in the Jersey Shore, any of those major shore points from Ocean City to Cape May, and they ship across the country. So, Adam, you touch on players, you touch on teams in college football and in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You've talked a lot about Miami, your boy Mikey G, Jersey Shore's finest. You're talking a lot about uh, Tua, that team there. You've talked a little bit about Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, different teams you like. Is there a player in college football that you're looking forward to watching this year? A team you're looking forward to watching this year? Boy, picking one. You're you're you're, you're challenging you can, you can, me here. Listen, yeah. you can do whatever you want, man. This is your show. This is your form. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I actually I did a video on this a, a couple of weeks ago. I, I think Oregon's got a chance to be really good this year. Um, I, I like I love Dan Lanning. Uh, Even after losing Mario. Yeah, I, I think so. I, that, that's that's kind of why so I didn't want to give you like a like an easy one. You know, that, that, that's all. That's always I wanted to go a little wild card on you. I think Bo Nix is going to be really good. Uh, he's played a lot of football at Auburn. Uh, I, Kenny Dillingham's their offensive coordinator um, at Oregon, and, and he he's been he's been really good everywhere he's been. Uh, like I said, Dan Lanning I think was a great hire. He's young. Um, 
I think he's going to obviously has a great roster at Oregon, um, just with how they've recruited, how Mario's recruited. Uh, and, and I think they got a quarterback in, in Bo Nix that that's played a lot. And it's funny when I, when I, when I, uh, I posted a video about Oregon and, and mentioned Bo Nix, all the Auburn fans were like, well, you didn't watch him play like an Auburn fan did the last four, you know, three years. He's, you know, they were like, he's been terrible, but it's I really don't. I, 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 it's a team sport, that? folks. It's, it's a, team a team sport, right? Who yeah, are they I, playing? I, I, who are they playing? <laughs> exactly. So I, I think um, I think it's going to be. I think I think Oregon's got a chance. They they got a they got a, a good one early in the season. Oregon Georgia. So Dan Lanning is going to be going against his uh you know his former school where he was a defense Ooh, coordinator. Boy. So that, that that'll be that'll be telling. But uh, I think they got I think they got a chance to be good. I mean you know from a player standpoint, you know there's a lot of guys. I mean, I've done a lot of videos on different guys. I mean I think I think the the main one I'm excited to see just from an intrigue standpoint is Will Levis at Kentucky. Uh, happy you brought him up, man. I wanted to ask you about him. If you didn't mention yeah. him, I was gonna make I was gonna make you say it. So I'm sorry, his name again, and then yeah, Will Will Levis, a quarterback at the University of Kentucky. He he transferred from Penn State. Never played at Penn State, really. Maybe got a couple of snaps, but never started at Penn State. Um, and he's such a polarizing figure. Like I just saw a mock draft had him at number one overall in the 2023 draft or 20 yeah 2023 draft. And then you know some people think he's terrible. So it's it's like you know you got it. There, there's a fine line. What I do know is I I know him a little bit personally. So this may be a little bit of a, a biased take, but I mean I don't know him that well. But he's a Penn State guy. Guy, so just knowing through that that realm, but he's a huge guy, like six four. It looks like a tight end when you look at him. A super strong arm, and he's a freak athlete. So those combination, the combination of those three, being massive, being a freak athlete, and having a strong arm, I know someone's going to draft them high in the draft just from those the, those uh, those things uh, to begin with. And he played pretty well at Kentucky. I mean, they, they they were they were throwing that thing around, and he was he had a pretty good season last year. So I'm excited to watch him. I think Sean Clifford has a good year at Penn State. I mean, Sean, I had I've had Sean on, on my show, so. Um, so again, props another to guy him, man, for the down. NIL stuff, huh? Yeah, really cool. I, I, I was just going to mention that too because it, it ties in a little bit. You should you should have him on sometime because he's he's a he's a great interview too and has a great perspective on NIL and and he he's debated with me a little bit on this too. I I, I hosted a Twitter space a few weeks ago and uh, and was talking about NIL and 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 he ju- jumped on and started uh, debating with me about you know just about just saying just saying that you know basically if the market's the market then they should be able to make whatever they can make on on NIL and and uh, you know that. It's it's the free market and things like that. So and again, players have different perspective than than I guess the old players like you and I are. But um, but yeah, I think Sean Clifford has a good season for Penn State. I think Penn State has a good year. Um, you know, which which they need under James Franklin. You know, now that he's got his, his big big contract, and um, I, I think I think they I think Clifford has a good final seventeenth uh, year of college football here for him. <laughs> 17 years for Clifford. Yeah. just like adam brenneman yeah the, right <laughs> uh, the uh yeah it's 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 good stuff in happy valley i know they have a ton of studs uh i know james is ready to get some wins there and shout out to pat crafts uh because pat crafts new ad at penn state here starting pretty soon and pat yeah. was a uh, adam your, your school's gonna be in good good hands man he's a he's a great man he so was, what, what was he at temple he was he was gotcha. at temple through our, our big run there um you know, hired some good coaches, you know, follow coach rule and Jeff Collins mm-hmm. um, is a good man. Spent time with him, spent time with his family. It, it is really good at his job. A former college football player himself. There's a relatability mm-hmm. factor. He's got the young, he's got, you know, the active personality, the active coach, um, a great guy, family man, went to BC, 
you know, had some success there, but probably not there long enough really even to dial it in and see what it would have yeah. would have been. But I he's the right hire, I think, at Penn State. So I, kudos to them. I, I saw his I saw his intro press conference. I, I watched a little bit of it and just being a Penn State guy, I wanted to see who the new ID was. And I was ready to run through a brick wall after I listened to him. He was fired up, man. I was I was juiced. It's it's the it's a dream job for him. You know, yeah. I think it's crazy for someone to say, oh, this person should stay here forever, stay there forever, mm -hmm. no especially at a, even at a big school, right? I'm not just saying Temple, yeah. but th that's a guy that you knew was going to be successful. That's a guy you knew treated people the right way, at least from what, what I come across. That's all I can judge. And, and Pat was first class through and through and was fantastic for our football team, a team that was going to be cut from mm -hmm. Temple. Yeah. Uh, imagine that landscape. You know, now the league is littered with Temple players and coaches. All right, so I told you we were going to do a top tight end list, and I didn't know mm. what to do. Where do I draw the list? I watched Tony Gonzalez play in Atlanta. I barely remember in Kansas City. Mm. I, you know, watched Dallas Clark play, but I don't remember him with the Bucks. He had a cup of coffee somewhere else too. Like, where do I draw the line? We draw a line of, like, stuff that you and I grew up watching. Like, to me, like, Jason Witten's the most underrated NFL player of all time for the consistency, mm -hmm. the length. You've talked about Witten before on your pod. I'm a huge Witten guy, probably because athletically, size-wise, this is probably the closest player I've ever matched right. up with. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm drawn to that. I've always been drawn to him. To me, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just going to name some names, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the group of the guys that I remember growing up watching being dominant sprinkled in with our group now. Mm -hmm. And this is in no order folks. Cause I don't want to hear about it later. <laughs> You're going to hear about it no matter what. And that's fine. <laughs> I won't hear about it. That's good. We need conversation. So Antonio Gates, obviously Dom, I'm not going to go through every guy and, and talk a little about him, but Antonio Gates, they were special. So Gates wins my favorite tight end of all time. Kelsey, obviously is a stud. He's changed position receiving wise forever. Uh, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews come on the scene strong. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of really underrated guys in the league that can block. I'm, I'm not saying Nick Boyle's on this list, but Nick is a tight end that is dynamic and can change the game with his physicality. He can catch the ball mm -hmm. when he's healthy. He can play. Chris Manhurts and Jaguar and the Jaguars that nobody knows about and they should know about. You know, I'm not saying Chris is not a stud. Uh, excuse me, not a. Um, let me get this right. Chris is a popular player in the NFL from the players in the NFL because everyone knows who he mm -hmm. is. He's yeah. the best blocking tight end in the NFL, probably other than Kittle, who's on this list again too. So folks at home, watch a little film on Chris Manhart's stud. There's a lot of underrated guys in the league. I think Ian Thomas here in Carolina is extremely underrated. He's signed a nice little, little deal. So again, my list of group of guys, Gates, Witten, Kittle, Kelsey, Olsen, Jimmy Graham, Ertz, Mark Andrews, Waller. There's a couple guys currently that I'm missing on that list too. That I think are really good players. Your buddy Kazeki's a stud, um, but the best tight end, my opinion, all time over the old heads that I left off this list, is Rob Gronkowski. It's not even close, folks. Nobody can block like that, run routes like that, be dominant for decades, like that man has. He is unbelievable. The beating he took, the way he pushed through. The way he runs, how big he is, how physical, the run game, everything, one-on-one, -on -one, fade ball. He does everything. He does absolutely everything. I think Kittle, it played in a different offense. 
he would be used like that. Now he's in that offense, and he still has a ton of success because he's dominant in everything, and he's so good. Kittle is so good, folks. If you, I watch him every week. I watch the first half of their game. If I can get to the second half, I will. But in my week prep for the week before, I watch the Niners tape, and I watch Kittle and their tight ends do things. I take something every week, and it helps me be successful the next week. I'm already doing it right now. I'm trying something in the offseason that they do with their footwork pre-snap and I'm adding it into what I'm doing now. So that's kind of my list. That's kind of my group. There's definitely some guys I left off that are currently in the league, but I kind of slapped it together here right before we got on. And uh, Witten's extremely underrated, but Gronk's the best of all time. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't disagree too much with you. I mean, I, I did a video or did a, did a show and talked about Witten being the best of all time. Um, you know, and I think, I think, um, wow. yeah, I, th- I, forgot, I, I think, I remember that. That's strong. Yeah. I, I think I, I think you can I think there's we could we could debate that a while, you know I, I think um, I will say maybe when I was when I was filming that 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 more so Witten is like the best and what epitomizes like what it means to be a tight end, yeah, um, and kind of more so like what you were saying about you know just like the consistency the blue collar approach, like just, you know, you're going to get every single day, day in and day out. Um, yeah. I, th- I think, I think it's hard to, to rank any of those in orders is difficult for me. I mean, I think Tony Gonzalez, like it, it's, it's, it's tough to put for, it's tough to put Gronk ahead of Tony, Tony Gonzalez for me, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, I mean, I, I love Gronk. I've been a Gronk guy my, my whole life. Yeah. I, I've, I've never watched him growing up. I think, I think there's a lot, a lot of young guys. Sorry. <clears throat> And for me, though, as you clear your throat here, like I, I – Tony's on this list, right? I was Googling like top list of all time, and there's so yeah. many guys. There's Mark Bravaro. I mean, I, but this is like, again, it's debate of Michael and LeBron. It's debate of Bird versus Magic. Like, <laughs> right. And, and Bird versus like Clay Thompson and like all these different guys. Like it's different errors. It's different games. Like if, if Steph Curry went back and played in like the 90s, he would be the greatest basketball player ever. <laughs> yeah. He would destroy these guys. If Michael Jordan no went back and played in the 50s, like it's not even the same sport. The sport is mm-hmm. different. You can't compare them. So, again, I grew up watching Tony. Tony was so good. Mm-hmm. So good. I just – Gronk in the block. To me, it's like, okay, we got to talk about complete tight ends over here, passing yeah. tight ends over here. Like F smaller tight ends over here. Like where are they at? Yeah, the thing about Gronk is he was kind of the guy who who fit in every category. You know, I mean, he was obviously the big guy, the wide tight end. But you know, it's funny when I went to Penn State. Um, I remember I, I met with uh, Bill O'Brien before I committed, and we sat down for for a while. We're watching film, and uh, and and he, and he was showing us the Gronk and Hernandez film. Um, oh. from the Patriots and he w- and he kept saying to me it's funny looking back not funny but I mean looking back on it he's like you're going to be just like you're going to be how we're going to use you how we used Aaron Hernandez and it's actually why I started wearing number 81 at Penn State because I was because we had Kyle Carter and Jesse yeah, James at Penn State they were kind of like the Y tight ends and yep. I was going to be like the move guy you know I was never a massive I was I'm six four I was like 230 at the time so I was kind of like the move tight end Jesse James is like six seven two eight two sixty five um but but yeah it was kind of getting into like the different categories and and uh and all that and then you mentioned too like some of the young guys in the league I think there's so many young tight ends right now like there's so many good young tight ends in the league 
I mean, I really think that Pat Fryermuth has a chance to be to be really good. I mean, he had a good rookie season, and I think he's going to be. I think in ten years we'll be talking about him like as in the consistency level of just like a guy, you know. And being in, in Pittsburgh is like perfect for him. Um, I think it's a great system for him. I I love Zach Ertz. Been a Zach Ertz guy forever. Um, you know, I got to give a shout out to Brent Selleck. He was like the Mister Consistent oh, from the yeah, Eagles. Baby. <laughs> I, I was I loved Brent. So that that was my guy in high school. Brent Selleck, number eighty seven for the Eagles. I, I love them. Yeah, Brent is uh is a stud, of course. You know, being in Philly, I watch him too. Extremely underrated. Their their room at one time, it could be one of the best rooms in NFL history, was Brent Selleck, Zach Ertz, and Trey Burton. Um and I That's played right, with Trey. Yeah. And Trey's a great player and got a big contract Trey's Chicago and has had a good year or two there and three and got hurt and you know, he's just be kind of been out of it, but it's uh, that was a good room. That was a really good yeah. room. Yeah, so tight end U will take place June 22nd to the 24th at Vanderbilt Music City. More than 50 tight ends. This is per CBS Sports. 50 tight ends. George Kittle, Greg Olson, and uh, Kelsey are kind of fronting that. I'm Wait, just happy about that. No. <laughs> you think I got invited to that, buddy? I don't think they're inviting, <laughs> I don't think they're inviting third, fourth, fifth tight ends in the NFL. To it. I, I am not going. Um, I'm happy Ian Thomas is going. I'm happy uh, Chris Manhurts is going. Another guy, you know, should be going. I think is Dan Arnold, another stud in this league, played in Arizona, mm-hmm. long runner, track guy. He's actually texting me during the pod too, so shout out to Danny. But um, another great in-person interview we had on the pod here with Justin Ayers. So, you know, let's see what else I got for you. That's it, man. I appreciate it. There's so much more we can get into. I got to get you on more, get you more and more consistently. Some great chatter and people that are watching live. I appreciate the comments, the text. People are loving the interview. Um, so I'll say this, NFL wise. A team and a player you're looking forward to watching this year, and it could be your buddy Mike Izecki. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sticking with the buddy train. This I've, I've been I've been throwing out some homer picks on all the on all the players. Uh, I think uh, I think Hollywood Brown's going to have an unreal season with the Cardinals. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I think Tua's going to have a good season. Um, I did a video the other day and I said, I'm officially on the Trevor Lawrence for MVP train. Uh, and, and, uh, I like what they did in Jacksonville, man. We talked about that with Matt Lombardo. I I love it, man. I really, I really, um, you know, again, when, when you do that kind of those hot takes on TikTok, people think you're doing it to just get views, but I actually am on the Trevor Lawrence for MVP train. I thought I I love Doug Peterson. I believe, you know, I think, I think they're gonna have a great rebuild and they did a great job, um, getting some talent around him. So, um, I think it'll be good. I, I, I did, like I said earlier, I talked to Jared Goff um, last week for a while. Uh, I had like an hour and a half conversation with him in Detroit. And I, I think I think they're going to turn the corner. You know, they obviously – he obviously played a lot better at the end of the season last year, and now they put some talent around them. Um, obviously drafted the Alabama receiver in the first round. So I think I think they're going to be decent. Um, I'm, there's a lot of guys. Mike Kosicki, like you said, I think he's he's got franchise tagged. He's going obviously the big year for him, um, just for a lot of reasons, but especially financially. So and he's got no um, state income tax there in Florida, so I he's know. good. He's going to sign a massive deal, probably mm-hmm. with another team, maybe Miami. I have no inside sources. Here, well, well you, and you saw the David Njoku deal that kind of set the market on a different level. So I texted Mike when I saw that, and I said, "Yeah, I mean, when you sign this deal, I should get just send me a hundred grand, and we'll call it even." Mike's just so <laughs> bouncy. And he's just a guaranteed touchdown walking, and he's just – he's fun to watch, man. You can't replicate yeah. his stuff. That's and He's such that, a freak. Oh, that's why I'm like, freak. they're in another category. Put them, yeah. the unicorns, you can put them in another category. 
because they're just in the 1% of the 1%. I play with a few guys like that. One of them is Christian McCaffrey, where yeah. they're just on a different playing field than other guys. So. No doubt. Yeah, Mike, Mike's, he's such a special talent. I mean, and and it's funny. We, we, we talked about this when I had him on my podcast, too. Like, is he a wide receiver or a tight end? Because most of his snaps, like 90% are in, in the slot or, or out wide. So it's hey, a big like out. Exactly. That, 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 that's exactly what we were getting at. But uh, but no, it's a crazy conversation, though, dude. Think about this. It really is. Yeah. So in fantasy football, I draft tight ends all the time. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. They still catch the same amount of balls. Everyone's like, you're yeah. crazy. Or you're tight end guy. I'm like, well, I draft yeah. Kelsey and Kittle and Mike Gusecki. It's like drafting Devontae mm-hmm. Adams and DJ Moore and whoever. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's the same. So no paying the same. I don't get it. Yeah. And they do more. And the whole joke in the NFL is the more you do, the less you get paid. Right? Right. Left tackle, <laughs> set, left all day long. They get paid yep. the most money. Tight ends, block, run, catch, this, the other thing. Especially a guy like Kittle. Now he made a ton of money. Yeah. He's in California, though, so he's cutting a big <laughs> he's check. He's a big check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So exactly, he'll be good. Plus, exactly. he'll keep his place in Florida. So he'll keep the state income residency rolling when he signs somewhere else or he signs yeah. in Miami. So yep. good for him. Penn State tight ends deserve to get paid. Jesse got paid. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of really good guys, you know, Farmuth, like you said, in Pittsburgh. What a great landing spot for him, too. Yeah. Um, being sure. out there. So, Adam Brenneman, Brenneman shows up. Check him out on social media. Great short form content, long form content, video, audio, you name it. Follow him. Adam, thanks for joining us, brother. Appreciate it, man. We'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Welcome him in, uh, Jack Connell into the scene. Jack is uh, back. Literally, Jack in the back <laughs> is back. How we doing, buddy? Doing good. I just want to make a side note. You're talking about tight ends in fantasy. I had George Kittle and Travis Kelsey in my fantasy team this past season. I was the best team in the league. They're the only two yeah. players I remember on my team. I didn't win the league because I had like one really – you know how it is. Like you have one really bad weekend of the season that screws everything up. But I had like by far the best record in my league until the playoffs. So I'm Jack all for the back, man. Jack in the back. Guys, dialed in. Just like we're dialed in in some fudge kitchen – the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com. Just ship some fuddy, some fudge this summer. Right? We talked about the fudged up moments of the week. Uh, we talked about people we're going to send some fudge to because they're doing the right things. Eating some fudge, that's the best way to celebrate. Um, but we're going to talk a little NBA playoffs, which I have to talk about and check that box for Jack and the boys. Jack does a great job with all our highlights, posting that stuff on our social media. All right, Jack, what's going on with the NBA playoffs? Boston seals a game, game one. Game three's Wednesday night in Boston. It was, I mean, it was a classic Golden State game, game one. I mean, anybody who watches Golden State knows they just show up in the third quarter and go off. I mean, Steph, I think, had 21 points in the first quarter anyways. It was just really leading Golden State's way game one. And Boston had a phenomenal fourth quarter. Of course, Sixers legend Al Horford just has come back to life in Boston at 35, 36 years old. And it's helped pretty much create a big three between him, Brown, and Tatum to push goal to push Boston past Golden State for that game one. Golden State came back game two, swig and blew him out. I mean, Steph Curry, another phenomenal game. He had like 31 points and he didn't even play the fourth quarter. Jordan Poole, an insane half-court shot. I mean, that's just exactly what you're going to get with Golden State. I mean, you cannot count them out of any game. That was the third quarter again is when they blew up. It's the third quarter Golden State is inevitable in any basketball experience. So Golden State is on a runaway train, but it could really go anyone series. I mean, they always say it's not a series until someone steals a game on the road, which Boston has done. So now it's a question of, is Golden State able to take one back at TD to make it a 2-1 series? It's going to be interesting to see where things happen. I think it really could go either way. It really could. Boston is back 
in the finals, which is huge for the NBA. And it's huge for the city of Boston. I mean, that place is going to be crazy, right? It, people say Philadelphia fans are raucous. That place in Boston is going to be – the top's going to be blown off of that arena, TD Bank, I believe it is. I will be dialed in on that one, Jack. Uh, I will have it out of the corner of my eye, I will admit, because of the forum and I'll, because of the play. Obviously, I, I, I'm kidding around, but the, the talent on the court, the quality of hoops in the playoffs down the end – it's a little more or less one-on-one and more more team game, which I enjoy. I enjoy. I'm a college basketball guy. I enjoy the team game, not as much one-on-one. Okay, so that's our NBA talk. If you had to guess who's going to take it, Jack, who takes it? Golden State. It's it's. It just feels like it's Golden State series yeah. to lose. Unless I feel like they, if they continue to play as they should, Clay Thompson heats back up a little bit after he struggled the other night. I mean, they're really it's Golden State series to lose. The Steph shooting as he as he has his entire career, and Clay Thompson finds himself again. It's I feel like it's going to be a go- it will come down to the wire. It'll be a six or seven game series, but I think Golden State ends up on top. Jack, are you playing hurt right now? What's up with your finger? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a little gruesome. I won't go too crazy into it. We were redoing our deck this weekend, and I was a little bit of an idiot with a flower box. I'm like hitting the back, and I was trying to get the dirt out of our garden, and it slipped, and the nail kind of. Went through, oh, so we had to take a little trip. Oh, you got to bleep that out there. No, I'm kidding. Jack in the back, you're playing. Hey, listen, you're playing through it. No harm, no foul. Uh, great work out of you. That would not that would not be a foul in the NBA playoffs, but it would be a foul in the NBA regular season. <laughs> Absolutely. James Harden be on the line going 20 for 20, and everyone would say how he got <laughs> 45 points. Did I digress. Draymond the other night, did you see that highlight of Draymond? He literally looked like Mike Allstott. He was like he was going to set screens. He was just putting his shoulder and like three Celtics defenders pushing him back to give Steph open space. I mean, it technically wasn't a screen, but it was very football esque in that one. You're talking about no fouls being. Draymond played at Michigan State. I heard he was struggling a little bit, but I'm sure it's you know if he gave some time and space, I'm sure he'd be a pretty good tight end in the NFL. <laughs> He's a big old boy. He's a great player. He's an all time great NBA player, I think, defensively, and he could still put in the bucket too when he gets hot. So. Yeah, I'm a big Draymond fan. I know something happened on Twitter the other day. I, I didn't even pay attention. What happened? Was it controversial from him? Did he do something? Oh, it was it was wasn't even about it was something about Steph Curry. He said Steph drew more double teams than KD ever did. And KD was just like, I drew more double teams. And then at the end of the day, we oh, love each other. Like it was it wasn't out. very this is why I'm out in the NBA. Come on, guys. And here's the thing: if it was the only show in town, sure I watch, but they, come on. The NHL playoffs is going on. You think those guys are well, Connor McDavid is a Better player than McDavid, you know, all these different. Come on, come on, Jack. I'm a little bit disappointed me, in that series. I'm a bit disappointed how Edmonton's replied. I had higher expectations. We transitioned to the NHL playoffs. I had Avs in six, Tampa in four. You had Tampa in four. Who'd you have? Oil? Oilers in six. So you had the so. oil in six. So listen, the Avs are about to sweep them, right? And that's just how the cookie has crumbled. I don't think it's right. We knew the oil didn't have a ton of depth, but. Oilers have a ton of top-end scoring, and they have willed their way in, and their depth has showed up a little bit. right? So they've made it to where they needed to go to check that box, I think, to say, okay, we had a great year. We didn't win the Stanley Cup, but we got the Western Conference Final. We lost to the best team. That's probably going to win the whole thing. So I think what's happening is probably right. Looking back at it, like, well, kind of the proof was in the pudding there. So Avs probably sweep or at least win in five. And then Tampa, oh, boy. So series is 2-1. Games Tuesday night in Tampa. So you think Tampa's going to rock the house, a great fan base, again, in the Southern market. We were talking about that earlier with Arizona, Nashville, um, Tampa, and hopefully down in Florida and Fort Lauderdale, they can grow that a little bit better, a little bit stronger. So 
we'll see what happens. I, I still am a Tampa fan. I still think they have the best team when it comes to responding. They've had the most experience with it. They have a ton of studs. So I think Tampa's going to come back and win. What are your thoughts, Jack? I think Tampa does come back and win too, but I think Colorado is going to win it all at this point. I don't know if that's just bias and it's Edmonton being my team. It's like, oh, well, whoever they lose to should win it all. But it's just they have seen McKinnon has just been unreal this postseason start to finish. I just don't think there's been a better player on the ice this postseason the entire league than McKinnon. And here's the thing. If the abs sweep, this Tampa series is probably going to go six or seven. So they're going to have at least a week. Oh, yeah. And people say, Ross, that's the whole thing. Ah, it's late in the year, man. Get your body right. Get get some sleep. Go out there and put your best foot forward. You know, you may be a little rusty in the first game, but you'll be better off game two through seven because mm -hmm. you had that rest. So um, we'll see what happens. I uh, appreciate Jackie jumping in late, coming back on the pod. Best producer in the game, setting this thing all up for me. And our whole team is fantastic. And not, and not for long media, the Colin Thompson show, Breaking Bats. Uh, excuse me, brought to light. We've got a couple things coming. Like I said, by the end of summer, we're going to have four or five pods, which is really exciting for us here. And uh, Jack, I appreciate you coming on, man. Adam Brenneman was fantastic. I thought we were going to do 30 minutes with Adam. We did an hour with Adam. And uh, he is, you know, he's a star, you know, in our little realm of uh, media guys that are trying to make it in the young media world, in the world of sports and football and follow Adam. We appreciate your sport of the uh, Colin Thompson show. Jack, thanks for coming on, brother. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Hope everyone has a great week. Summer is kicking off. And uh, thanks for tuning in.